Welcome to the Great American Sports Betting Show, the show where we give you the real deal inside scoop on what's really going on in the world of sports betting. And now, without further ado, your host, Evan Wallace. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Welcome, everybody, back to the Great American Sports Betting Show. I am your host, Evan Wallace, a.k.a. The Black James Bond. It is Wednesday, May 20th in the evening, which is a little different for us. If you're listening, uh, you'll probably catch the replay. We might drop it tomorrow, but normally we do this in the morning. Uh, Tonight in the evening, uh, I don't have my coffee. I got my Gatorade, and that is because I've been uh, very inspired by Mike because everybody wants to be like Mike, especially if you're watching The Last Dance. Uh, But thank you all for joining us today. With us, as always, we have our producer extraordinaire, Cyprian Francis, a.k.a. Sip Hop, a.k.a. our Los Angeles quarantine correspondent. Sip, what's really good with you, man? How are you today? I'm doing very well, Evan. Uh, Just came back from playing some hockey with the fellas, so that felt good to be out, to be getting some sunshine, to be skating around um and hopefully some of the sports can start to come back yes yes very good very good uh we do need that i don't i hope you stay away from uh any karens out there that you know want you guys to be locked in your house but yes it's always good to get out um get some sun Uh, so is everything okay out there tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, from your end in los angeles as far as the lockdowns is, is are things starting to get back to normal at all or are the reports of extended lockdowns out there uh, staying pretty true? Uh, They are staying pretty true, but there's not enforcement and people are starting to take initiative to do things on their own and to get out and about. So you could see it picking up, um, but from like a legal perspective, not everything is open and it probably won't be for another two months, to be honest. It's, it's really interesting uh, to me, especially like, for instance, you got the NBA. Uh, the NBA is looking to, to resume June 1st. But the thing about it is, is that nobody really knows what that means, right? We, we have no clue. The governments are all, the states are all running things different. Um, if you're looking for a, an update to Vegas, if you're listening, a lot of people hit me up asking me what's going on. Uh, again, the governor uh, gave a press conference last week, the end of last week, and he mentioned that, you know, he has no plans for the hotels to open right now. We keep hearing different. Some people, some hotels on the Strip are planning for June 1st reopening with others following after that. Uh, but again, they're going to be opening likely with 50% capacity and a lot of things that are different uh, that we're not used to out here in Vegas. So in my opinion, you know, you can't really call it until we see how it'll work out. Now, um, if you're listening on the show for iTunes or Spotify, uh, please go ahead and give us a a like, if you will, or five-star review. Um, Or if you have a complaint and you want to be a Karen, go ahead and send that over to the email, sportsbettingpodus at gmail.com. Now, today we do have a very, very uh, special show, I think a historic show, and we have a very special guest to talk to us about sports betting and and the future of sports betting in my opinion uh but uh we also have mj and the last dance that wrapped up i will be giving my grade for the full entire documentary toward the end of the show 
Um, that'll be me, all me, because Sip, again, has not finished uh, the show, so he will not be able to weigh in on that. But I'm halfway uh, through, man. I'm halfway through. So he's getting there. He's getting there. We're going to, by maybe episode 58. Next, next week, I'll be caught up. Episode 58, he'll be caught up. Now, uh, one thing I do like about the MJ doc, you know, it really delves into, if you're going to get into an MJ doc, you have to go over the, the gambling aspect. Notorious gambler, <laughs> uh, not on his own sport or, or on himself, uh, but just whenever he can, he likes to make it his hobby, as he said. But not only just with the MJ doc, in, in our society uh, as a whole, I've been thinking about it and how prevalent sports are and by extension sports betting right now with the shutdown of the country you had short sports shutdown which is something that kind of put this whole thing in perspective and saying wow if it's if it's able to shut down sports well then this is a pretty huge deal because sports is linked to entertainment and to sports gambling and lots of things um, that are part of the american fabric if you will right and they also got me thinking to how gambling is so prevalent in our society as well. Look at what, what's the news every day. You hear about the stock market. Stock market's up today. Stock market's been up for almost a week or maybe even longer. Ain't that right, Sid? Like a month. And so to me, you know, that's just a form of gambling, right? Right? You got sports betting. You got uh, people betting against each other on video games. A lot of rappers and NBA players have been throwing out bets for NBA 2K games and Call of Duty and uh, I think that everyone can agree that gambling is a very, very major role in our society. You got the Wall Street stock market, video games, like I said, you got legalized sports betting happening all over the country. But unfortunately, you know, it hasn't been rolled out uh, the proper way, in my opinion, and it's kind of been botched, right? And so what you have as far as sports betting is, uh, in my opinion, a future that pertains to person-to-person betting, right? Me and Sip are both watching a game, and instead of, you know, for one, Sip's in California, he can't even bet because it's not legal there. So his only option would be to go and uh, us to do it illegally, right? Where let's say me and Sip say, all right, let's bet on this game, Bulls versus Lakers, and whoever loses has to give the other $20. Now, I have to trust SIP that you're going to pay me that money, right? Which we'd hope always is the case, but doesn't always happen, right? You hope you put this money into the stock market or with your broker and you trust that you're going to get a return. You put your money up uh, with the government lottery system or for a sports bet and you hope to get paid. You make a bet with your bookie and you win, you hope to get paid. Now, in comes uh, cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is is big in the news right now. It's uh, back up to a high level. And so with that said, if anybody uh, is familiar with the actual concept of Bitcoin, the creator, Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, basically said his system and the reason why Bitcoin and the blockchain is so useful is because it relies on a proof of work system instead of trust right so instead of trusting someone you are uh, relying on more math and equations and code Um, and that is the reason why you know you'll have your your cell phone and your laptop to hold your password but you never would give it to your banker 
right? And so I am totally in agreement with this thought process. And I think it is the future of, of how uh, sports betting could move forward uh, in this country, especially. And so with that said, I have a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, Ben Armani, who's joining us today. And he called me, I think about a year ago. Um, obviously, he's been in the crypto space for uh, for quite some time. And we're going to get a chance to talk to him about that. But he called me and he said, you know, I've been working on this project and uh, it pertains to sports betting. And I think you, uh, you'd be interested in it. I'd like to get your take on it. And when he explained it to me, I was blown away and I'd like to uh, continue that discussion and to uh, let people know what he's been working on and how I think it could be very, very useful for all of our sports betting lives in uh, the future. And without further ado, I'd like to bring in uh, someone I've known, like I said, for a long time, uh, coming from Vegas. Uh, that's where I first met him. He's got a reality TV credits uh, under his name, a DJ an author, a vodka brand owner, uh, coding instructor, and also crypto developer, Ben Armani. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Are you here with us right now? I am here with you. Thank you for having me. Great intro too, man. Like, uh, I think you really just laid a great foundation for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so maybe I, we can go straight into it. Um, so I'd like to know, first and foremost, What's uh, your history in crypto specifically, and when did you get involved in that space? I got my first Bitcoin in Vegas, hand-to-hand, in 2012. And 2012. They, yep, the end of 2012, the price was about $15 a Bitcoin. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I had mainly gotten it because... You know, I mean, people who, who look at my, my history, I was thinking I was in an all-cash business at that point, right? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think you and I have known each other for just about 10 years now. Yep. Um, and so, you know, was was in one of the many cash businesses in Vegas, and there are lots of them. Uh, <laughs> Vegas is, Vegas is a, a, a cash-friendly town. Cash but, city, baby, yep. City, yeah, but securing, you know, securing those funds is a challenge. And I mean, yes. there, Vegas does have some unique options, like it has, for instance, anonymous private vaults. That was my first time encountering those was in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's, it, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's, it's a challenge. Uh, um, you know, most of the houses that I, I uh, moved into in Vegas had safes built into them. You know, I, was in, I like the older. Very nice. Scotch 80s uh, kind of like gangstery areas and uh, and so this has been a this has been a long time problem and Bitcoin was one of the things that I was looking at at that time I was familiar with the stuff that was going on on Silk Road I thought that was really interesting for people who don't know that was like the kind of the first premier dark web market and it was mm -hmm. all Bitcoin. This is in uh, 2012 and 2013, mostly. Absolutely. Very famous, yeah, very famous court case. Ross Ulbricht, who was the guy who ran that, uh, was given two life sentences in federal prison for basically just running a website, nothing else. Yeah, yeah just uh, to stop you really quick. So, yeah. Ross Ulbricht, you actually introduced me to that story. Um, this is a guy, young guy, 
who was very entrepreneurial. He put up a website where people could, it's like basically like a marketplace, a Craigslist uh, type of website, loosely kind of uh, me kind of throwing that out there. But, um, and so people were able to buy and sell things on the website called Silk Road uh, using Bitcoin. Is that correct, Ben? That's it. That's it. And I mean, there yeah. was all kinds of stuff on there, but obviously being on the dark web, there was, there was drugs. Most of the sales that happened on there was small amounts of marijuana. Mm-hmm. He never touched any of the drugs or anything like that, but this was right. in the early days of Bitcoin. Right. And, you know, the government was feeling very threatened. They're not as threatened by it anymore because there's, you know, some pretty major, major businesses and major players getting involved. But at the time, like I say, it was 15 bucks. It went to a thousand dollars in uh, later on in 2013 in about November. And I cashed out everything. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then I now, think that, go ahead. Now, before we go on before that, I just want to point out uh, whether, even if he did know that people were selling drugs, which by all accounts, it seems that he didn't, to get two life sentences plus 40 years is ridiculous. You got, uh, you know, uh, drug dealers and criminals, violent criminals who have been released from jail because of Corona-19. Um, and yet you still have a, a guy who's still in jail for two life sentences plus 40 years. So I just wanted to point that out. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, it was, I think at that time, I think the government really, more more than they understood because it wasn't about price. It didn't have this narrative. Right now, Bitcoin has this narrative that, oh, it's this thing that you buy and it goes up in price. At that time, it didn't have that narrative. Right, okay. Yeah, you could actually use it. Yes, people use it, okay. Exactly. And so as the government looked at it, they very rightly, and the banks especially, they very rightly saw the threat. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, uh, the judge said that she was making an advantage, uh, an example of him. Um, And he was arrested in San Francisco, but they moved his case to New York uh, at at the behest of actually Charles Schumer, uh, Senator Charles Schumer, and it was basically, it was about the banks feeling threatened, which again, they, they, they should. The, the white paper is all about the a concept of disintermediation. The title of the white paper is Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer ca- uh, electronic cash system. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is to remove uh, payment, uh, basically the payment networks, which is the banks, to remove them from digital transactions. And it does that very, very well. It's been very successful. Gotcha. Um, so, but but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't particularly involved, like interested in it, until, and certainly not interested in in developing on it. I didn't know like development work on it, even though that's my background. Uh, in in the initial going, it wasn't until about 2014 that I actually started building some some little prototypes of some gambling systems that I realized, oh wait a minute. Uh, using this network could really be a, a huge advantage. And that's when I started really working on it and getting involved. And, and since then, that the application of gambling has always been in the back of my mind. But there were years and years of, of growing and politics in the community and it, it advances and setbacks and all of that that needed to happen to get us to the place that we're at today, where yes. we can really fulfill that vision. So it, it's been a, it's been years of evolution and, and it's been some it's been some real fights like it's a small community, but it's an interesting community. And there's been a lot of battles to get us to the place that we're at. But right. But we're here, 
and I think that we can do some very interesting things with uh, with gambling in particular. But as you say, so many things. It really, what what the 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 sort of overarching term for this is prediction market. Okay. So, so this is the idea that, and that's what's prevalent. People like to make predictions against other people, and then they want to put some stakes on those predictions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And if they don't, and if they don't, they should, right? Like on Twitter, people like to throw out a lot of predictions, and then, you know, very, very few, but very smart people say, you know what, I'll take the other side. Here's a thousand. Let's throw it in an account, and the winner gets that. And then you hear the person that threw out their first prediction get real quiet half the time. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of advantages to prediction markets and sports sports wagering individuals, sports betters and people in that world, I think sometimes take for granted uh, just what value there is in odds. Right. So you think in, in terms of predicting the future. So right. you know, one of the most powerful things that human beings can do is predict the future. Predicting yeah. future I mean, that's, that's, I, I mean, that's a profit, right? So this yeah. is like the most valuable people in the world are those that can predict what's going to happen right, yeah. and then do something about it. So whether that's predicting what the weather's going to be like for your crops or whether that's predicting, you know, the outcome of a, a, a sports event, it's very, it, it, you can, that's what, that's what's valuable in this world. And so it's like, you look at odds and you can you you would be if you went by the Vegas odds, and you just bet on the Vegas odds all the time. That and you just said, well, the winner is going to be the one with the better odds. More often than not, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredibly valuable thing to have in terms yes. of being able to predict the future. And so, prediction markets as a whole, what we what we could see being possible is giving give opening that up to literally anything that's right. what we would like to see happen is that right. let the whole world bet on any outcome and then right. you start to get into this very interesting notion of um, of knowledge and that knowledge is spread across a whole lot of people and then we start to see maybe we don't have to have wars maybe we don't have to have elections maybe we don't have to have any of these things necessarily <laughs> yeah. because we just pull the people but we pull them by them actually putting their money where their mouth is. Right. Right. And, and a good thing about that, an interesting point about that is that that's never going to happen if we have to leave it up to the people to make that happen. Right. I mean, it's not the, the people in power that build these systems. know you'll never get a hundred percent or even 90% of the participation uh, for people because they're too busy uh, fighting each other. Kind of like, you know, you got the Bitcoin BCH people now, Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin. Now, for sports gambling, for sports betters, sports gamblers, we were introduced to Bitcoin, a lot of us, because that was the first crypto that was being accepted for offshore bookies um, as a way to make your deposits and your transfers. It was supposed to be easier, right? It's like the, that the process for making deposits, getting withdrawal uh, is a pain in the ass for an offshore bookie um, or to be using one of those sites Bitcoin, like I said, was supposed to make that easier. And you know what? It really didn't. And that was my experience. Now, what was your, uh, your reasoning for switching over to the, uh, the big, from Bitcoin to the Bitcoin cash side? Fees. Really, it's all about fees. Right. Uh, 
So, you know, if you're going to create a financial services business, the, the margins are really small and your cost, any cost that you're able to cut out, um, that's so it's, true. Yeah. It's profit. It's profit. Mm -hmm. right? So if you've got a transaction, you know, there are right now on, on Bitcoin BTC, the transactions are, uh, really like today, there are transactions that are like $4, is the average I think that yesterday or the day before it got up to $4 was the average fee that people were paying. Well, if you've got a financial services business and the market is willing to hold $4 per transaction and I have the opportunity to, instead of putting it on the network, that's going to charge me $4 for the network to put it on a network that's just as secure, but that is going to charge me less than a penny. Then that means I can take $4 from my client for that as my profit. Right. And it's really, it's just a matter of profit. And if it's any signal in terms of which one of these chains is more ap appropriate for the sorts of applications we're talking about, like for, for instance, sports wagering, one of the biggest miners in the game who uh, initially came over to Bitcoin Cash and then now has, they forked off uh, a fork of Bitcoin Cash called Bitcoin Satoshi Vision is the founder of Bodog, the, the notorious and famous Calvin Air. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that he, he sort of made the same decision that I did. And I guess we were on the same team for a period of time, you know, got a chance to hang out with him right. times and go on his yacht and, you know, do those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, so fees is incredibly important when you're talking right. about low margins and fees is incredibly important when you're talking about high frequency wagering too. Yeah, absolutely. If, absolutely. If somebody, you know, I mean, you're going to pay your VIG already. Yeah. But it's like, it would, if you have to pay four or $5 on a fee. That's just every single time. That's not going to work. Exactly. And so, so let's, let's run that back. So as a sports better, you're just trying to make a bet. Let's say you live in a state where you don't have legal sports betting. Now, you know, the fee to make the deposit on Bitcoin, because you got to get the Bitcoin first. So you could probably got fee there. Then you got, you know, to deposit. Right. And then, uh, you're going to be paying a, a fee on top of your VIG, right? And so it 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 can't happen. It's not going to be good if you're trying to to win money. And um, so you're basically you're losing uh, before you even start playing, right? That's right. That's right. Now tell us tell us about uh, Jet on Live. So this is a library that I began writing as I started to explore if it was possible to do peer-to-peer -peer wagering, since Bitcoin is peer-to-peer -peer cash, the, you know, the problem with Bitcoin, I think a lot, there will be a lot of sports bettors who are like, ah, Bitcoin, yeah, well, I use that because I couldn't, you know, with, with the offshore wagering operation, they took Bitcoin because they couldn't take PayPal and they couldn't take Visa or whatever, right. and it was a big mm -hmm. capital for me to go through this. But at the end of the day, the user experience wasn't fundamentally different. You still gave your money over to somebody like Bodog, right? right? And, you know, you hope to get your money back. I know there was the famous case where Calvin Air uh, basically got his, his assets seized by the government. Uh, they were charging him with money laundering in, a in that pretty famous case. And I know right. that he, he made his clients, his customers that, that had outstanding money in, in their accounts. I know that he made them whole to the tune of like $40 million. Jesus. So that's, 
that's impressive, but yeah. he's, there was certainly nothing saying that he was definitely going to do that, right? So potentially people could have lost their money. And really that's not the promise of Bitcoin. The promise of Bitcoin is it's a peer-to-peer -peer transaction that's final once the transaction is made. And so just depositing it with somebody and then you're still relying on them to get it back to you, that's, that's Bitcoin as a hassle and that's Bitcoin as avoiding the financial system. But, okay. but where, where I want to go and where this library actually allows you to go and where the, the functionality on the Bitcoin cash chain in particular allows people to go is there's functionality within the code itself, uh, within the protocol itself that enables a form of escrow where two parties take their Bitcoin and peer to peer they enter into a contract together and that contract is secured by the, the blockchain itself and by the proof of work itself. And what's interesting about this escrow contract, it's secured by math. You basically have a third party that you could call a referee or an oracle that uh, the two parties have chosen beforehand. Basically, it's like if, uh, if you and I were going to make a bet and we were going to, to, but we had to get the score from somewhere else. Right. And had to, we had to rely on somebody and we chose Cyprian to be the, this referee, right? right? Or to he's going to be the judge. And, but we don't give him the money. We just have said beforehand, he's going to be the judge and we agree to that. And we put the money in, let's say we put it in a hat, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just a way on its own. Nobody has it. And that's fundamentally what this is, but it's a hat. It's, it's, a, it's a safe that is secured by a cryptographic unbreakable lock and we can only get it with a, a cryptographic signature a, a string of a, a long number a string of, of numbers and letters fundamentally that this that sip is going to sign he's going to create that but he doesn't even need to know that we exist in order to do that so basically uh, a situation to give you an idea of what this might look like in practice at scale would be you and I are going to make a bet. We're sitting, we're watching ESPN and ESPN is behaving as the Oracle. They say, okay, here, if you want to make a bet, scan this QR code. We both scan the QR code. We both, it, it tells us where to send our money. We send it to this uh, address on Bitcoin. And now nobody can get it until the end of the game when ESPN is going to broadcast the signature. And right. when they do, that signature is only going to be valid for one of us. Right. Okay. And, it, okay. and ESPN doesn't even know that we exist. And right. they don't care whether or not we exist. And, and so that signature can be good for an unlimited number of bets around the world, an unlimited number of different bettors. But, between, but we can't get at anybody else's bet uh, with just that, that signature. So it's, it, it's, that may sound a little confusing. No. It may sound a little confusing. But it's actually in practice. It's really straightforward and it's and, and it, it makes it just between the two of us and it's secured by math exclusively. So absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's break that down then. So so basically what you have here is um, in uh, an example, you know, for instance, me and Sip don't know each other. Right. I'm sitting on my couch. Uh, the game's coming on. I'm looking at ESPN. I'm seeing in 30 minutes, 
the Lakers and the Bulls are, t- are tipping off again. So I say, you know what? I like the Bulls tonight. I think I'm going to go ahead and rock with them. Uh, so I would then go in to say, you know what? I'm going to put this signature out or go into, let's say, an app and say, you know, Bulls are plus five or, or, mm-hmm. or plus 220. Okay, I'm going straight up on the Bulls plus 220. I'm all in. Boom, there's my wager, my signature. So I put that up. Sip, wherever he's at, let's say Los Angeles, doesn't know me. And he says, you know what? You know, I've, they're talking all this stuff on ESPN. The announcers, this is going to be a good game. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and take take the Lakers. Let me go see uh, what's popping. He goes into the app and sees that there's already a, a one side of a bet of yep. the wager that somebody, myself, put up there and said, this is the side I want, Bulls plus 220. He goes, boom, that's it. I'm about to take this guy's money. Um, my bet is for 25 bucks. Sip then goes and puts the other side to that contract, basically. Is that what you're saying? That, you've got it exactly right. And then he would take it and he would uh, broadcast that up onto right. the blockchain, and now it's there. And it's permanently right. there. And it, it can't be – neither one of you can get it uh, until you – until this ESPN broadcasts that final signature. Right. And, and these contracts can get incredibly complex. They can get as complex as you want. Um, you can have two parties, three parties, four parties. Uh, you can have, you know, a situation where, you know, let's say that the Oracle, that you don't necessarily trust the Oracle. So you say, well, we're going to do two out of three Oracles. It's going to mm-hmm. be ESPN and it's going to be, uh, you know, Fox Sports and it's going to be ABC. Like right. all, all three of them and it's got to be two out of three. Right? right, and you can have it to where, you know, if nobody collects it over a certain period of time, that you can then go and collect it. Um, yes, you know, so if it's just sitting there and like, let's say something happens and like something happens with Cyprian and he just like loses his loses his phone and for some reason he can't get at it and it's been like six months and you see that it's, it's sitting still there. You know, you could be like, well, after six months, either one of us can go and get it without Got even it. a signature, right? Gotcha. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you can you can basically put into these contracts. They can get as complex or as simple as you want them to be. The in in Jaton Live, they're relatively simple right now. Um, but we've already done wagers with these, and you know it works. It works. One of the things that piqued my interest, and in any of the sports betters uh, would hope, the majority of people listening, we all know the pain points, the bookies, the sports books. They like to limit the players. They will shut down a bet. Like, let's say you want to take a bet. You're going to have to either go down to the sports book. Um, you're going to either bet on credit or you're going to trust a offshore bookie where they're going to have to end up sending you a check or a transfer. That's going to take a long time. So not only is this about convenience, but for me, I would rather replace the house's edge especially for volume betting you know betters usually get into a flow where they could be betting one or two games a night uh daily right where they could some of them like to sit there and watch a game some just want to have action they go to dinner with their wives you know what i mean and hang out the point is is that it allows the ease and access of the betting and also now you're betting just against another player right you're not having to worry about the edge or the odds whatever type of triggery in games that the sports book and the odds makers are putting out there. Um, so that was one of the huge things that I was like, boom. Now you have actually 
completed a wager. Uh, let's see here in July of 2019 at Van Armani on Twitter. It seems like you uh, had a peer-to-peer electronic sports wager with um, was it Steven Zeiler? Is he a developer? Um, CEO of a company called AnyPay. They're a pretty big um, payment processor. Uh, uh, really on the East Coast with a lot of cryptocurrency. So well-known, well-known uh, developer and, and uh, CEO. Right. So uh, what Vin did, uh, Vin called out. He said, look, I got this protocol I've just developed. Who wants – there's a baseball game happening later today. Who wants to take the other side, right? And Steven Zeller weighed in and said, you know what? That sounds pretty dope. Let me take the other side. I think the Miami Marlins were playing the San Diego Padres. Uh, and so now, just as you were talking about with ESPN, you brought in, uh, you asked someone to come and be the referee. So that person was Brandon Bryant. Um, and he came in kind of – now, what was Bryant, Brandon's role as the referee with, with that whole thing? So all that Brian, uh, all that the referee does is this is a this is what's called public key cryptography. So some people have have heard of it. A lot of people use it. If you use Telegram or Signal or any of those, this is the same idea. And the basic idea is that um, he gives us a num- a very long number, which is called uh, his public key. He's got a private key that we can't see, and he uses that private key to create a signature against a message. So the message gotcha. would. Be- it would be either San Diego wins, Marlins win, right? So, right. I, so if he signs the message, Marlins win, I get to take the money. If he signs the message, Padres win, then Steven Zeiler gets to take the money. So gotcha. in, in, order yep. for, in order for the system to verify that, so we write into, it's interesting, we write into the contract his public key. So he okay. gives us his public key. Gotcha. Steven and I each have our public keys. These are kind of our our public identities. You can right. Say. Everybody knows for a wallet, you have your public address, your private address. Yep. yep. So that's that's fundamentally what this is. He gives that he gives his to us, and we write that into the contract. And then what that means is that his private key is the only one now that can generate a valid signature. We have to use him as the oracle for our contract. We've locked him in as basically the third party, the referee. Mm-hmm. And and so all he had to do at the end was just do a – he gave us his public key, and then at the end he just broadcasted it out, and he could broadcast it publicly. Um, the signature of – I, I uh, Padres won that game. So it's the signature of Padres win. He signs that message, and it gives a, a nice long number. And then he gives us that number, and then Stephen was able to spend it from that. But with that number, I couldn't spend it. Right. Because it, because my public key was tied to my public identity, in other words, was tied to the phrase Marlin win. Right. Right. Now, so uh, in this case, it was Brandon, but it just as easily could have been an API like an ESPN app or some app that brought scores and odds that broadcasts and when the end of a game happens an nfl game nba game boom they say these are the stats this is the score by quarter this is the final boom it get it gets broadcasted um which determines the winner right which is the same as how sports books and everybody else uses it yeah and i mean there are already you know these sports results apis that have the odds and everything uh gamblers are familiar with these it's it's easy enough for one of these APIs to even just add that in, 
that you know when the, is, when the game is unplayed they just put what the different messages are like they would for that game they would just put okay the two messages are marlins win or padres win and here's our public key and right. just making that public millions of people could create contracts off of that and then right. when the game has been played the api just signs one of the keys and broadcast that publicly and it's done. And they don't even need to know how many people are making wagers, who's making wagers, or if people are even making wagers at all, to be honest. Right, right, exactly. Now, now, you know, this has many layers. And so one of the things that I, I like think is important that people should know is that one, uh, the reason why black markets are able to exist, offshore bookies, illegal bookies, is because there is a highly regulated industry, a sports betting, have rules <laughs> you can't send money across state lines electronically it just never ends okay so that's one and number two is that um, being able to uh, do this on your own in a way that you'd want it to be is just makes everything easier I like to compare it to what you're seeing here is uh, sports books traditional sports books and sports betting the way we know it the way we use it right now is akin to the taxi cab companies. It is basically taxi cab authority. And what you're seeing and what you're hearing about right now, in my opinion, would be the Uber of sports betting, right? You are ushering in a new way, a new technology that when people start to use, they will never, ever go back to the old ways or very rarely. Um, so I just want that to be out there and I want people to understand um, being able to have uh, a wallet in your phone with crypto that you can actually use and spend and and have it have value to be able to use it is something that is uh, thoroughly missing in the crypto and the Bitcoin space, in my opinion. And this is something that I really feel uh, changes everything. Well, I, you know, Evan, I think that's such a good point that you brought up. But I like I want to expand on on the idea of I, I think that we forget how these sports books came to be in the first place, right? Because they they came to be because they solved the problem. You know, the right. initial, the initial way of betting has always been peer to peer. It's that's always true, yeah. been me and you, but they solved two fundamental problems. So the first problem that they solved was they solved, as you said at the, in the intro, and which is why I think it was a brilliant intro, they solved the trust problem, right? right? So I've got to trust you, and maybe I do, maybe I don't, but that certainly limits the number of people that I can bet and the number of bets that I can make. Right, yes, true, very true. Trust, right? Very true. So that's the, that's the first thing. Like, for instance, if all my friends are Lakers diehards and would never bet against the Lakers, even if the Lakers were in a terrible year, they'd still never bet against them. Well, it may be very difficult for me to find somebody to take the other side of a bet if I want to bet on the Lakers. Right? Yes, yes, so, absolutely. Good points. So the sports books, they solve that problem, but they solve an even more important problem. And, and well, I actually just described what the two problems are. So the first one is trust, and the sports books compete with each other on trust. But the second one is, it's, it's about information and matchmaking. So, you know, there's always been a problem with finding the other side, the counterparty to a bet, especially when it comes to sports bets, especially if it comes to something that's to a bet that's rather esoteric. Right. 
But what a sports book can do, because they are not just taking bets, they're also laying off bets. They figured out a system whereby they can basically take any bet. And then that's how odds came to be. Because before that, you didn't really need odds. Right. Yes. Yes. And when you make an informal bet, you don't really need odds. It's just like, hey, I'll, I, you know, I'm, I'm betting on the Lakers. And you're like, oh, seriously? Okay, I'm taking the Bulls. And that's it. Right. And it's like, how much you got on it? 100? Right. 100. Yes, right. yes. But if you don't, the sports books, because they were taking every bet, well, they wouldn't, they'd get an uneven number on each side. And that's literally where odds come. Two right. to one odds means we're getting two bets for every one bet that we're getting on the other side. And Absolutely. that's how all the odds come up so you do two to one so that you can even it out and you make your money on the vig right so they're really just trying to break even right in, in this case though what we've done is we've actually gone back to source in some ways it's not that we're disintermediating the sports books because the sports books are no good what we're doing is we're saying actually this solves the problem that the sports books have been trying to solve so the first problem is trust well this solves the trust problem because it's math right you can put all your trust in the cryptography, it's never gonna fail. And you can verify it mathematically and cryptographically and your application can verify it and you can triple and double and triple check it, boom. So the trust is good, you're good in the trust department. The second thing is the matchmaking. And so when I initially spoke with you, I had a vision of setting up matchmaking entities that could, that could serve, serve as sort of um, uh, meeting places, right? Where people could mm -hmm. maybe on a site and matchmake. Now right. I've, I've released a new protocol called the SWAP protocol, Signal, Watch, and Pay, which basically turns the entire Bitcoin Cash global blockchain into one gigantic worldwide sports book where you can either put up any bet that you would like to make or you can search for any bet that's already been put up. And just Ooh. with the connection to the blockchain, you and another party who don't know each other, you've never seen each other, you don't know where you are in the world, you're completely anonymous, can feel completely secure in creating a contract based on an oracle that's also broadcasting onto the blockchain, creating the contract and then being able to spend it. So it basically creates a global, instant, completely secure sports book for any bet, for any person anywhere in the world. Wow, wow, and so, um, in, in my opinion, something that piques my interest about that is just because I'd like to have more control, not less. I'd like to have more uh, access, more ease whenever I'm doing anything, let alone when I'm putting my own money up, right? And so that is fantastic. So now when you said sports, a global market, so understand that, you know, you could be talking about Olympics, you could be talking about many things, but it doesn't just have to stop at sports. It sounds like, I mean, you're talking about, you could be betting. I think I saw a tweet of yours. You said uh, someone could have a contract about what the weather hits in all Los Angeles tomorrow, right? Whether it goes up or, or whether it hits over or under a certain degree or something like that, or a presidential election or something like that. Yeah, you can, you can sort of look at these contracts like Mad Libs in a way that like what you would have is you would have a set of templates. So with my library, there's two templates. One template is an escrow that's based on these messages. So, it, so with those messages, that's perfect for like a presidential election, right? It could be Trump mm -hmm. wins could be one message, Biden wins could be another message. But you can basically use the same contract that you would use for Padres win, Marlins win. Mm -hmm. um, 
you could uh, that with that with those messages any sort of conditionals that you have two conditions three conditions four conditions you could have as many but what I just recently put up this week is what's called threshold which is basically an over under bet people are familiar with the over under right but you don't just have to bet over under on you you think about all the things that you could bet over under on right so we could bet over under on the weather in Los Angeles at 4 p.m. right of the temperature in Fahrenheit mm -hmm. we could bet on that if we wanted to right there's an over there's an under um, we could bet on the speed we could have a speed gun and we could bet on the speed of the next car going past us over yeah. under right yeah we, it, there's you think of the number of things in the world that are like that you know the number of the i'm i'm out here at the beach right i could mm -hmm. think looking and through as we've been talking I, I can see the crab there's crabs walking behind me and it's like we could bet on the number of crabs that will appear within a, a, a space within the next minute right well it, yes. and we could bet over under so it's like anything that an oracle is willing to first give their public key about and then to say okay i will broadcast a result about this uh is is fair game but i think the most powerful one when you're talking over under is the price of a given currency at, at on a given day right the clo the closing the closing price of a currency or commodity or good because then that's basically a futures contract mm -hmm. yes yeah and that then you can long or short various prices. And now it starts to get really, really interesting as to all the markets that you can take the middleman out of. So if you're into commodities futures, right, you want to you want to bet on the price of oil, um, you know, what it's going to be tomorrow. That's an over under bet. The, yes. the one side says above this, the other side says below that, and then you get a cash cash settled futures. Well, you can do that with this system. Very, very so, so you th theoretically, or not even theoretically, but probably talking about a marketplace where you can go in and 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 look to see who's who's got half wages on all types of things. But you could also uh, have a friend in a different state and say, "Hey, you want to take action on this game?" and and yeah. even you could even put up a, a wager contract between your friends. So you could do it anonymous or you could do it head to head versus uh, a friend or, or a coworker. Yes, absolutely. You could do it. So in other words, you could broadcast it out for anyone or you could do it directly either way. It, no and, problem. You know, and that this is, it's, it's truly incredible. And I just think that this are, these are the types of conversations that need to be had. And, and when you talk about blockchain or crypto, these are the conversations, especially as it relates to sports betting in the gambling space. This is where I want to see it go. This is where it's going to go eventually. Uh, but this is, this is what people should be looking to, especially if you're looking to get involved with crypto. Uh, Vin just mentioned, you got uh, different avenues here for, uh, for, entities that are doing matchmaking, um, you know, that are doing escrow agents or, or advertising possibilities. I think there's, there's so many possibilities. And, and I think the conversation has to get toward to this direction, right? So that we can start to realize a lot of this stuff. And, you know, especially the developers out there, um, or the sports betters or the investors. Um, this is this is like really, really top stuff. And so I really appreciate you sharing it with us. And it truly is mind blowing. Man, I, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's gonna this technology is 
the what it's the foundation that it's built on top of in terms of of being built on top of Bitcoin, it's incredibly rock solid. Um, you know, in all the years of Bitcoin and the derivatives on Bitcoin, nobody's ever lost any money who's yes. had their private key. You know what I mean? If you owned your private key and nobody else has gotten access to it, you've never lost your money. Your you money never lost it. Right. 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 Um, it's as secure. It's as rock solid. It's the, the network has never stopped running in a decade. It's never even had a glitch. Um, and so it's built on top of that. It's already solid. I think where the opportunities now is exactly as you say, I would love for more people in the sports wagering world to start dipping their toes into this. It's not that it, it some of this stuff may, because it's new, may be like, oh, that's a little over my head, but it's not that complex. The important things are not that complex when you spend a little bit of time with them. And I would love to see entrepreneurs in, who are already in the sports wagering game decide, hey, let me, let me experiment with this a little bit and, and dip my toe in and see where I can go because I would love to see that sort of innovation come about on this foundation. I think that it could, could like you say, Uber to the extreme, man. I think that, you know, who, whoever- Well, it's gotta be extreme. It's gotta be yeah. extreme. That's what, we're in a very dire state in the sports betting world. And, uh, you know, like um, same with with with, uh, with the taxi cabs. I, you've been in those lines in front of Caesar's Palace back in the day, uh, trying, to get a, trying to get a cab outside the club or, or outside the casino at one in the morning and busy hour, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back there. I'm not going back to that. Uh, so, when I trust me, when I tell you the pains that sports betters experience day in day out, matter of fact, with this whole shutdown, it's really just giving people a chance to get even more pissed off because they're limiting actions on ping. I mean, you're the one putting ping pong out there in Korean baseball, but yet they don't want to take over a twenty-five dollar wager. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. I, well, I think that giving people the option that's what i love about it is that it's open so it's not just the control over how much you're going to wager but it's the control of what you're going to wager on and then opening it up for the opportunity of the oracle so right now the sports books are the oracles which means right. a closed system which means they're they're only going to offer action on whatever they think is cool right this is an open system of oracles so at any time you could just decide you know what here i am i'm evan and I think that, you know, here's a Dota tournament coming up that's a <laughs> eSport. And nobody and, and I'm gonna watch the Dota tournament. And and I'm going to um, you know, broadcast out signatures for whoever wins. And you Look, could man. do that. And we Look, could bet on it. Yeah. Ella, if somebody doesn't get in here and I mean, do they not know how big esports are and these Twitch tournaments, all this type of stuff, they don't get in here and let these people bet on that, uh, they're surely, surely missing out. Now you just released uh, a protocol. So if somebody is listening, a developer, people that are interested or know a little bit more about the technical side and they want to look into it, um, you just released that for them to be able to kind of check out and see what it's all about? Yep. Uh, so I released the, the full like protocol specification and I also released a library that's got the re- reference code that uh, developers can, basically they can run through the entire code and it simulates it does it all automatically. You just put some money into a Bitcoin cash address that it tells you. And it, it simulates as though it's the Oracle. It simulates as though it's either better on either side. And it runs through the whole thing. And they can see it. It's, it's, it's heavily documented um, code. And 
this works today. Like this works. Um, It it fully works with real money. (laughs) Um, Anybody could, could start running it today. The protocol is called swap signal, watch and pay. Bitcoin.com did a real nice uh, feature on it last week. And so, yeah, if people just type in Vin Armani and then they type in swap or they type in signal, watch and pay, they'll get, uh, they'll get links to it right there. And, and if they're developers, they can play around with it. And uh, there's a couple of write-ups. I did a write-up on Medium that talks about it as well. So mm-hmm. even if they're not developers and they're just entrepreneurs, but they know some developers, right. uh, this is kind of something that you could start partnering on and all of the pieces are there and, and working already. And they're, they're free to, to have at it. I'm going to be building businesses on it as well. You and I are. Um, yep. so, so that, so we're going to be doing it, but in this, you know, in this community and in this world of cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. one of the most important things is that you, that you show your hand and yep. that you, sh- you show everybody what's the code underneath so that they could trust it. That's part of the trust thing again. And so they can see how it all works inside and know that it's legit and know that you're not, not, um, you know, grifting off of them or anything <laughs> right. out there for people to look at. Absolutely, man. Man, that is truly fantastic. But listen, before I let you get out of here, um, I've known you from Vegas a long time, right? Now, I know I don't want to dox you or anything. I know you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're far away, right, from all this. You've moved I, a I've long time ago. People, I've told people now where I am, so we can talk a little more. Okay, all right. So where are you then? Uh, that we'll, we'll ask you. Where are you right now? Where did you uh, find yourself during this quarantine? I am in Saipan, which is the largest island of the Commonwealth of the Northern Marianas Islands. I'm going to leave it at that. Ben is one of the most interesting people I know. But Ben, what's your prediction or your forecast for Vegas, uh, short term, long term? Do we ever fully recover? Will it ever be back to normal? Well, you know, Vegas is Vegas is a beautiful beast. And one, one of the reasons that it's beautiful is that it, it's able to constantly reinvent itself. And we've seen it so many times. I mean, I was, I was raised in San Bernardino, California. So that's just, you know, San Bernardino County is just the other side of state line there. So Vegas mm-hmm. was a normal, normal part of my world growing up. And, yeah. you know, I watched it more from, you know, cheap and dingy when I was very, very young to, to trying the kid friendly thing and arcades everywhere and amusement parks, uh, to, to, you know, kind of having a little bit of a fall off and then regaining itself with the clubs and the mega DJs. And yeah. each time, you know, it did it and it did it well. And I think, true. I think that we're going to see some major changes in Vegas. But I think that this, those changes is also an opportunity to introduce some of the things that have been waiting in the wings to be introduced. I, I think that, you know, probably the, the giant concerts and the, um, you know, the, the, the big mega DJ stuff is probably going to go by the wayside. Yeah. But, but I think that it maybe provides some opportunities for some, some more like virtual things and also perhaps some larger suite experiences, right? Where you're going to like stay in your suite for most of the time or yeah. maybe like between a few suites. Uh, yeah. and more things being delivered to you and these sorts of things. So I think, I think it's going to change, but every time Vegas has changed, man, it's, it's changed for the better. And I have a lot of 
I have a lot of faith in the resiliency of that town. Not every time. Remember that they tried to turn us into Disneyland and shit, but hopefully that's <laughs> all <laughs> so we don't go. You know, it, it always manages, Vegas always manages to turn the corner. You know, I think one thing that we're going to see is the, the, we'll probably see the return of good cheap food again, which would be oh, nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which would be the, the, the $5 prime rib and all that. We'll probably see a return to that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and maybe more outdoor. I think, you know, with, with this whole COVID thing, if the things continue, moving things outdoor, having yeah. way more outdoor stuff is, I think that's a winning play as well. Uh, always, you know, Vegas outdoor is always, is always a blast. So, well, I can guarantee one thing, whether they have us eaten in a, in a basement or in the complete <laughs> dark, one thing I know is that somebody, if I'm having dinner with you, somebody's going to come up and ask for me to take a picture with you and them. Because it's happened literally every time that we've ever had dinner, man. So hopefully we can we can have that experience again. But Vin, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for coming and breaking this down uh, for us. And we look forward to checking in with you here very, very soon. Oh, thanks, brother. It's always a pleasure. All right, man. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So I think that was a, by the way, Sip, are you, are you asleep or are you awake? I'm here, man. I've been <laughs> taking it all in. No, for sure. Um, no, that, that's something that I think is very important when it comes to the sports betting space and just entrepreneurs out there in general. Um, you're talking about putting power uh, in back in our hands, right? Whether it's the consumer or the producer, um, I think that's powerful. And that's something that people that are forward thinking like yourself, like myself, and the people that should be listening to this show, these are the things that I want us to think about and to network on. Um, because, you know, if we're at the top of it now, if we're getting ahead of it, uh, will we stand to, you know, probably do something pretty beneficial for ourselves? Uh, in the future. So uh, that is that. Thanks again to Ben for coming on to share us with what he's working on. Um, before we get out of here, I told you that I was going to give a grade for The Last Dance. What a fucking unbelievable documentary. Man, listen, the director, Jason Hayher, and I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, man, you really, really did your thing. Uh, like, for one, let's be honest, it'd be very difficult to fuck up a documentary on MJ, especially during a quarantine. But with that said, they they knocked it out the park. Um, the footage that we hadn't seen before, the nostalgia of just seeing Chicago in the 90s. You know, like I said, um, I was, you know, preteen early uh, on in my life. And so I remember it, but there's a lot of things I didn't know. I didn't get a chance to see. Um, you know, if there was one thing that I would change about the whole thing, the whole, the only thing I would change in the last episode, there was a scene of after they won the last chip, Rodman was chilling in the hotel with Carmen Electra right there. He had the Larry O'Brien and he said, go ahead, give me a kiss. He said, kiss it. And she went and kissed that trophy. I would have made that the last scene and they rolled the credit. So that was dope. But, um, the Pacers, man. The last episodes got into the Pacers, Utah Jazz, and 
you know, that brought up a lot of anxiety for me personally. Sip, do you remember those 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 uh, series with the Pacers back to back years, and then you had the Jazz back to back years? Do you remember didn't, that shit? Didn't Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan really kind of have beef? And I'm yeah. pretty sure. Reggie Miller still says that he has beef with MJ from he does. that. He does. You know what? A lot of these players were very salty, man. Gary Payton, Reggie. But I'll give Reggie credit, man. He said, you know, look, I wasn't scared of him. You know, like, I was the only one that didn't back down. He was right. That fool did not back down. That team with Reggie Miller, Rick Smiths, the Davis bros, uh, you might have had uh, J- Jalen Rose. You might have had Ron Artest. I can't remember. But they, they had Mark Jackson. They had a dope-ass squad. That was a tough challenge. But let MJ tell it. He goes, nah, we weren't worried about them. You know what I mean? And and just to think about that, side note, really quick. Think about all the players that they had in this documentary. You had some really legendary top 50, top 100 players. Charles Barkley, Gary Payton, Carl Malone, John Stockton, uh, a few others. These are great great players that if wasn't if it wasn't for michael jordan would all have championship rings or more and guess what michael did not give a fuck he went and took all them cookies boy he went and took all them <laughs> motherfuckers are still salty damn that is cold-blooded damn uh, so yeah man byron russell man Brian Russell, damn, fool, you got shitted on twice, man. But, you know, listen, yo, from the bottom of my heart, as a Chicago kid, I would like to thank, shout out to BJ Armstrong. BJ hold it down for the first couple seasons. He gave Mike motivation. I forgot he went to play with the Hornets. Horace Grant. Let us thank Horace Blockhead-ass Grant because – Without him going to Orlando and taunting, we may not have gotten that second three-piece. So Horace, by the way, he always played really well when he was with the Bulls, too. Bill Winnington, Purdue, John Paxson, Steve Burrell or Scott Burrell, Kerr, Judd Bushler, Tony Kukoc, Luke Longley, Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, Scotty Pipp, and Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for without you and this documentary. Literally, we would have not much to talk about in the way of Chicago sports. Um, so again, thank you and J- director Jason Hare, wonderful job. So my grade for the last dance is uh, an astounding A. Uh, they knocked it out of a, out of the park. Great job. Even better, you made Lakers and Detroit Pistons fans all salty. All cry. Now, moving on, and before we get out of here, UFC, they completed uh, the trifecta event in Jacksonville, Florida. Congratulations to them. Uh, a quick note, shout out to Joe Rogan. Spotify, $100 million deal. Did you hear about that, Sip? Uh, yeah, it got me kind of excited because I know someone else has got a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Maybe I can get like a hundred, one hundredth of that hundredth. You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, but uh, big news from Dana White, May 30th. They're going to open up the Apex back in Vegas. So the event from May 30th should be coming live uh, from Las Vegas. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. I hope everyone got something useful and knowledgeable out of this show. 
I'm sure you will be hearing a lot more about the real crypto and Bitcoin cash and how it can be used for sports betting. Remember, our whole the whole goal of this show is to advocate for the legalization and regulation of sports betting. However, when they don't get that right, that's when companies like Uber and Hotels Tonight and other companies come to take over. So we hope to be talking with you about that very soon. Everybody be safe. We're gone. See you next week. Peace.